a sheep's favourite album. Marbles. Very good. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beampod, the, the Between You and Me Marillion podcast presented by me, Paul Rose, and my wife, Sanya. Hi. You're doing weird intros. I these know. Days. I don't know what's going on. Um, so, uh, just to update you all, we're still cringing about our relentless positivity in the last episode and the fact that I bookended it with a with a, a a dirty bodily function. Joke. Joke. It wasn't a joke. It was true. Yeah, but it? you didn't bookend it with a dirty bodily function. It's not like you. No, you did. <laughs> Stop. Let's move on. Let's quickly move on. <laughs> Every episode, it's going to get mentioned. No, it won't. I promise. That's the last of it. Oh dear. I'm going to start just ignoring it and see if it goes away. Yeah, that's what I tried to do, but <laughs> that tendency to linger. This is me ignoring right now. No, it didn't. <laughs> I thought you were ignoring. <laughs> you want to give a disclaimer that if anyone can hear whistling in the background or. It's not Sanya. <laughs> Or like thumps and stuff. It's because of Storm Eunice. Yes, we're recording this on the day that Storm Eunice happened. The day Storm Eunice blew into town. Yeah, uh, some of you might remember Storm Eunice. (laughs) It was a big storm we had a few days ago or whenever it was. But today is the day that it's happening. Time is weird, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yes, so the wind is currently blowing down our chimney. It's rattling all our doors. Knocking all our pen- fence panels out of their holders. Yeah, it blew my trousers off earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Clean off. At least that's what I told Sanya. <laughs> she walked in. So this week we are continuing with our marbles coverage. Yes. We are doing it. We're getting our there. road to marbles. We don't have another new Meridian album imminent that, that is going to knock us off course. We might get blown off course by Eunice. We might. Yeah. Better uh, hold on to our hats. Yeah, and our trousers. So what we're going to talk about this week is not the individual tracks, but because Marbles is such a monumental album, we I feel we sort of need to look at it in a slightly more depth. And mm. it's also how the hell did that album emerge? Mm. Because... It took as long to record as um, was it as long to record as Anorak? Was Anorak two years? Anorak, I think, was two years. But this this was you know effectively two albums in three years. Oh, that's quite a lot. Yeah, you know, it's, it's two albums worth of music. It's what nearly ninety in three years. Wow. So we know their plan was to work again with Dave Megan on what would prove to be his final Meridian album. Uh, and they weren't starting with a completely blank slate. It was, um, in fact, I've got an interview with, with Dave Megan from the web here where he sort of says, you would never have ever had marbles without anarachnophobia, either because some of the ideas that weren't used ended up on marbles or because it showed up weaknesses and strengths that needed to be focused on. So I think that's interesting. He said, otherwise you end up making the same album over and over again. But the next one was going to have to be very different, using all that we learned in the past, but also taking elements that hadn't been touched on before or that had been plastered over and exposing those and dealing with them. That was extremely painful for me and for other people. 
I wonder what he's talking about. Well, I can tell you because he does go on. Um, oh. This was not an easy birth. Bear in mind, it was the longest gap between albums at that point that they'd ever had. And for certain band members, it was a really difficult process. But um, what, I, what I hadn't realised or I'd forgotten is that a lot of the, uh, the creative process was documented on the Meridian website. They don't do this anymore, but the band members used to have journals on there and they're still there. Get out so of here. So if you go back to... No way. Yeah, Where is it on the website? If you go into their news archive... Really? Um, there's there's uh, stuff dating back to about 2001, I think, which is fascinating because, you know, that's 21 years ago. Are you looking at it now? Well, don't because I'm going to read it out to you. Oh, okay, But fine. in a way. Fine, fine. I wouldn't have mentioned them. I, wouldn't, I wasn't mentioning them so you can go and look it up and then we just end the episode here. <laughs> just finish it now. Everyone just, so everyone this week, go and look up the band member journals and we'll see you next week. Everyone just read for themselves. <laughs> Bye. Page 31 you, to 35. Do your own bloody research. I'm done. Right. So January 2002, H wrote, mm-hmm. this This was right at the start of, of them starting to think. They, they were through the Animatophobia tour and everything else. You know, that whole campaign, which had been obviously extremely successful, as we've sort of said, they, uh, you know, emerged into a new era for Marillion with Marillion Weekends and... Um, you know, crowdfunding. So they're on the verge as well of releasing uh, the live CD Anorak in the UK, which, as H subtitles it, never mind the hobbits. What? What does that mean? Well, you know, it was a Sex Pistols album called Never Mind the Bollocks. Mm. So clearly there is a... But how does that relate to... Well, where did Meridian get their name? Oh, got it. Oh, that should have been so obvious. Yeah. Yes, okay, got it. Got <laughs> so it. clearly there was still a, bit of, a sense. bit of a chip on the old shoulder regarding the prog label and right. goblins and all the rest of it. So H says that CD, which was good. It's a really good live album, Anorak, in the UK. He said, which incidentally has sounded like a band I wished I was in if I wasn't already in it. And he said, and most daunting of all, they're facing writing the next studio CD. This was January 2002. So he said, I hate writing, especially at the beginning. It's like staring up at a cliff face. Songwriting is not something that you can learn to do. And I've no more idea of how it's done than I had when I was a kid. I've never known where it comes from. So the process is like jumping out of a plane without a chute and hoping one will appear at some point before you hit the ground. So if they find me face down in a field, you'll know why. So anyway, we're about to jump for the 13th time. A bit I was reading in Mark Kelly's autobiography, he was echoing that sentiment, Mm. sort of like you don't, you can't force creativity. You just have to show up and hope that it flows. Yeah. And hope that the inspiration comes up for you. Which is no good when you're earning a living. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So in May, Mark Kelly posted, so this is, you know, Bearing in mind, they were supposedly about to start work in January. Right. So in May, Mark Kelly wrote, there seems to be a certain reluctance within the band to really get stuck into writing in earnest. Oh, oh dear. (laughs) Although we have some ideas down on tape already, we're still a long way off from complete songs. We always go through this stage, so don't worry. Am I writing this to reassure you or myself? A bit of both, I suppose. Starting from scratch on a new album always starts with a lot of groping around in the dark hoping something will take shape soon. It can be quite quite frustrating at this stage because there is little we can do to hurry the process. Once we get to the point of arranging the ideas into songs, it always feels better. In a way, the arranging stage is the hard work, 
but at least we are on the way and there is an end in sight. I imagine we, we, we will be well into arranging by the summer and start recording with Dave Meegan, hopefully, by the autumn. So he wasn't involved at this early stage. Wow. And that's really interesting because Dave really shaped this album and put noses out of joint in the process. I mean, I'll just quote from the Dave Meegan interview in, in the web. Remember, this is basically Dave coming to the, the new album, having already worked on three Marillion albums in, you know, in the past, including the recent and Ratnophobia and arguably two of their best albums with, with Brave and Afraid of Sunlight. So Dave said on every other album, everyone had space to dominate except one person. On Marbles, it was going to have to be their turn, really. It was Steve Hogarth's. John Helmer's lyrics wow. were always great and I'd never under, understate how important they were. Steve was allowed to shine at moments on all the albums. The lyrics were always great from a psychological point of view. But at times I felt that until you can say someone has total input, 100% this album is all about his life. So when it came to Marbles, Steve was in such a focused place. How he viewed the past, the future and how he viewed his current life. He was probably more in tune than he'd ever been. So he was just going to churn out all these words. He had pages and pages and pages of words before even a note was played. When someone has that much and is so creative, it has to be the focus of the next album. Whereas everyone was working hard to make things work, it was just pouring out of Steve. You've got to let that pour at the expense of everyone else, including yourself. That's what's also exciting about it, because I didn't even have to try and understand another person's lyrics that wasn't in the room, as in John Helmer. Right. Steve and I would just talk for days and days about what he was on about. So then he, he's um, he's asked, how did the other members of the band take this? Mm-hmm. And he said, giving Steve Hogarth his freedom, the person who would pay the most would be Steve Rothery. Oh. I knew that would be difficult and a problem, but I was ready to deal with that. Because Steve would be thinking like that. It had benefits because it meant he would always be emotional, as in Steve Rothery would always be in an emotional place. Hang on, can you explain the first sentence? Why did he think Steve Rothery would be the one who would have to pay the most? Well, it just it's really if the focus it's a, was on H. It's a real insight, isn't it, to the fact that this is basically or had been Rother's band. Because he drove the music, yeah. which is what like I'm discovering from Mark Kelly's autobiography. Yeah, yeah. Like he, Mark readily admits how particularly um, on Misplaced Childhood and Clutching Straws, it was like Rothers yeah. driving the music. Yes. Uh, and certainly obviously was up to that. But, and it's, you know, it was interesting as well when you, you know, you'll, you'll sort of see Mark Kelly later in his book talk about how he had more input, perhaps in the sounds that can't be made and fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with the new album, An Hour Before It's Dark, he's, it's back to Rothers being, being the driving force. But... Um, oh, but it just shows you, that. doesn't it, that that this is the longest serving member of the band. He was the real mm. creative driving force. Obviously, everyone had input and there's a certain magic. But I was watching an interview with Rothers the other day about the new album, about how he had to go home or you know, stay at home for a while because of COVID and mm-hmm. because he you know, was diabetic and couldn't take the risk. And the others got together without him. And... They weren't happy with the results without Rothers being in the studio with them. Right, because he's such a central key to the whole musical process. Yes. But what. That it felt like something was missing. Well, something was missing. He was missing. But what Megan was trying to get out of Rothers as much as anything 
was an emotional performance because he talks as well in this interview about how Rothers, if you give him the opportunity, he will do retakes that strip the emotion out of a piece of music and the song. To get it technically perfect. Yes, right. yeah. And so instead he wanted raw, rawness. Right. And kind of almost like be pushing Rothers out of his comfort zone and almost refusing to let him do retakes. Right. Because you can hear it on... on uh, Angelina is probably the most overt example on that album of where there's like a slightly fluffed note. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a Steve and Wilson remix of Angelina where that's gone. And I've oh, always right. loved that little fluff note. Yeah. <laughs> so by pushing Rothers out of his comfort zone, he meant Rothers felt most uncomfortable when he couldn't perfect a piece of music technically. And that discomfort would make him more heightened emotionally, yes. which would then translate through the music. Yes. Yeah? Well, okay. here we are. Here's what, here's what Megan says. He says you'd find that if you gave him time afterwards, you had to try and capture what he was doing live because that was what he was feeling and it was 100% in touch with Steve Hogarth. If you gave him time to go back and try and fix what he didn't like about the song, he would be removing the emotion, replacing it with something that seemed cleverer. Um, uh, so he was saying... Okay, so in the moment, he was com- completely in sync with yeah. H's energy and By feeling H, and not thinking. H's feeling. Mm. Yeah. Got it's it. really interesting because it, it, it sounds like a really empathic way of, of playing. playing. But when you see him play, when you watch him play, that's how he comes across. It's yes. like he is channeling his emotion through the guitar. He is communicating through the music. Well, he, yeah, Megan goes on to say, he'd be saying to Rothers, well, it doesn't have to be the cleverest song in the world. The words are clever enough. And if you overcomplicate it with clever music, then people aren't going to listen and you're going to lose the plot of what it's all about. Some of it is going to be quite strange, very emotional words and very personal words. It's like a diary. You're letting people into all these things and you want it to be taken the right way and not misunderstood. So you're always trying to create the atmosphere for the words, which Rothery is brilliant at naturally when he's not thinking about it. But if you let him think, he'll do this other thing, which is, wow, isn't this good and clever and fills that space. In the meantime, you've missed what Steve's been singing. So he was basically making clearing the other band members out of the way to let Steve Hogarth step into the spotlight. Right. In some respects for the first time. Right. So, and this is because all the albums up until this point, he'd shared the lyrics with John Helmer. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And, and we've got to, and I'm sure H is indebted to Dave Megan for this, that, uh, and we all really are indebted to Dave Megan for this because H finally reached a place where he, he felt ownership over Marillion and it was marbles was the point. Right. Interesting. And, Interesting. And because of that, sorry, go yeah. on. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say, so up until this point, if we cast our memories back to previous Bianpod episodes before, <laughs> like all these other episodes we've had in between, up until this point, they seem to have been, well, at least in the last few albums, they were kind of flailing a bit and experimenting with different sounds and trying to find their feet. So it sounds like you're saying like with Marbles and H taking ownership of his place in the band, they stopped that experimenting and just really found their feet and were who they were. Is that right? Uh, That isn't what I'm saying. No. But that is a fair observation. That isn't what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying that. Oh. I don't know that's what Dave Meagher was saying, but all I'm saying is it's more about 
H taking ownership. That's all. Mm. It's not. I don't think they necessarily stopped. Not experimenting. Away. I meant like you know how in the castle era they were sort of there were some songs that weren't in. They oh. they did. They sounded like they were trying to sound like other people. Yeah. Yes. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Yes. I think. I think what happens once you get into the crowdfunding era is just better quality control comes in. Ultimately, right. I think. Yeah. I I think they had the resources to take their time more. Right. Got it. Somewhere else, and happiness is the road may not have reached the heights of of marbles, and probably weren't as good as sounds that can't be made and fear and an hour before it's dark. But I still think they're a step up broadly the castle era. Right. In some respects. Hmm. Well they sound more like the Marillion, the modern Marillion. Yeah, that's this, what I mean. And this is the album I think more so than Anorak where modern Marillion yes. sound the modern Marillion sound is defined. And this is that's thank you. That's what I was trying to say but that but couldn't find the words. So do you think that H being given this opening, this road into fully owning his place in the band during Marbles helped them to cement their sound? Well, possibly. It's hard to say without being there, really, because we know that H primarily is is the voice and the lyricist. So musically, I can't say the impact H had on the music at this point yeah of course we know that he did still was still involved in the jamming process etc etc and we know he's a talented keyboardist so i can't say i honestly i just don't know all i know is that marbles was incredibly well received by the fan base and so marillion might have taken a look at that and gone that works for us i don't know yeah yeah when you look at i mean okay ultimately it doesn't really matter it's it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So so anyway, we didn't hear anything really from the band. I mean, yeah, there was things going on, but they were hunkered down writing. We didn't hear anything until uh, December. So this is a big jump. The last time we heard was July or May, June. May. Well, oh, no, May. that was the last time we had a journal. Right. And in December, then, those of us who were signed up to the mailing list, we got uh, an email entitled Album 13, The Next Big Idea. It was the eWeb. Um, sit down, make yourself a cup of tea. This is a long one. Please read it twice. We intend to take the established idea of fan power and blow it through the sky. So bear in mind, crowdfunding still wasn't the the norm. Yeah, Marillion had done it with anamachnophobia, but it was far from the, the expected thing to do. So it's blah, 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 blah. Uh, when we asked you two years ago to take a leap of faith and buy an album we hadn't even written, 13,000 of you stepped forward, placed your trust in us and helped launch an idea that is still being talked about in music industry circles over two years later. We're currently in the studio writing and recording our new album with Dave Megan in the producer's chair. We think it's our most important album ever and we've decided the time has come to make a big noise about it. Once again, we need a new strategy and we intend to break all the rules and do something revolutionary. We have an idea of what we want to do and we need your feedback. Um, As you know, with Anarachnophobia, we were signed worldwide to EMI Records. We were very happy with EMI's distribution. We were disappointed, however, with EMI's marketing and promotional strategy. So we've decided we must address this problem before a point in the future where Marillion's existence comes under threat. They won't pull any punches with this. As the old saying goes, if you want a job doing properly, do it yourself. 
The solution is to push, i.e. promote and market this band ourselves. To do this takes a lot of money and a lot of promotion. We have the capability to do the promotion, but unfortunately we don't have the money yet. What we're planning to do is sell the new album through the internet only for the first few months. We would like to take our adverts in magazines that we know our fans read, advertising on radio stations that we know our fans listen to, reaching all the people who don't necessarily visit our website or receive our e-web and to potentially reach new fans. Radio advertising is very important too. The other obvious route is to spend more time on tour and to play to new countries as well as places we've been forced to ignore for a while. A worldwide marketing campaign of the size and structure that we envisage would take about £350,000 and the recording of the album an additional 150000 That's half a million quid. Do you reckon you're up to it? Whoa. Wa we wah. So the plan was this time to mainly spend the money that they raised mm. on marketing. Mm-hmm. But this sort of shows as well they were in a sort of more secure position post-Anorak, even though they're talking here about the future of the band being under threat, blah, blah, blah. Marillion Weekends were helping. Right. So we take orders for the next album at some point next year, probably three to six months before its internet release. And they had two ideas. Idea one, a choice of two versions of the album. You can buy the one CD album at the proposed price of fourteen ninety nine, or you can buy a two CD for uh, the campaign CD for £30. This CD would have the normal album plus a second CD of additional new songs, plus some other material such as extended versions of the album material, remixes, etc., all in special packaging with a special booklet. As we know, it was it was a bona fide second album. Well, the, right, sorry, second uh, disc. Uh, yes, it was not like kind of remixes and extended versions. It yeah. Was, two CDs of brand new, new music. songs right and the one CD was a kind of mix of songs from the two oh yeah it wasn't just like the first CD right if you pre-order either the standard one CD or two CD by a certain date then your name will be printed in the booklet so you could choose if you wanted the one CD or the two CD why would you just want the one CD if the two CD one has new songs on it at that point, that wasn't what they were saying, was it? They weren't saying at that point it was going to be a double album. They were sort of implying that it was going to be an album with a bonus disc with bits. Oh, you, and so you didn't on. know at that point? Okay, got it. So got they it, also had it. idea two, which yeah. was we only release a standard single CD, but have a promotional fund where people send in whatever they feel they can afford. We prefer idea one simply because it gives you you more for your money and enables us to predict with more accuracy how much money we will have to use as a marketing budget in order to plan ahead. The downside is the plan could be seen to favour the richer fans, something that Meridian is uncomfortable with, but may well be an inevitable part of trying to raise money. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. What do you think? They wanted uh, people's responses. And as we know, people wanted the idea one. Right. So so they did release two versions yeah and cd1 is different to the the first cd of the double disc set yes it's got a different mix of songs on it i can't remember in all honesty whether they did do that or whether they just went ahead and said we're putting the double thing on on pre-order and releasing the single cd to retail i was just about to ask that yeah so if you wanted to go to the shop to buy it you could only get the single cd Yes, yes. Got it. They never sold the double in shops. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Can you still buy it these days? The double. The double CD. You can only buy the double, I think, now. 
Oh. It's now but and, considered but, the album. And can you buy the double, like, let's say, from Amazon, or do you have to I go think, through well, Meridian.com? I will check. I will check. Just in case any of our listeners would like a physical copy. Well, don't buy it from Amazon. Go and buy it from Marillion. Yeah. So here we are on Amazon. Uh, I don't know. It's here. I don't know if this is the the two CD version. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. The two CD version is on Amazon. So uh, there you go. Now you know. As is the vinyl version, which I think is the double as well. Actually, currently Is the single version available anywhere? Doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like it. Interesting. Like maybe there was just such demand for the two CD version that people were like, "Why would you?" Thing is, if you don't, why yeah. would you buy the single disc version when there's a double disc version? Well, especially why would you when you know you would be missing out on only unforgivable thing and Ocean Cloud and you know basically some of their best ever songs. Right. Why would you buy the yeah. single CD? Yeah. Um. Anyway, so so that was that. They got flooded with people saying, we want the double, please. We don't want a single CD, we want double thing. <laughs> That's a nice voice. That's the voice of Marillion fandom. <laughs> <laughs> that means that's your voice as well. So January 2003, a year after they first started writing the album, mm-hmm. we had a couple of band member updates. Quite a few, actually. Pete first. Welcome back. Have a happy new year. Blah, blah, blah. I ate far too much, but managed to stay sober. Don't forget, Pete was still newly sober at this point. So we started back up at the Racket Club on the 6th of January, your birthday, Senya. Writing with Dave. And yes, I know it's been a year since we started. Before I put pen to paper or mouse to mat, I thought I'd review some of the songs we have arranged. I listened to the first four ideas we worked on with Dave just after we finished in Bath. Um, I assume he doesn't mean just after he had a bath. You're doing some stuff in writing in Bath or something. Anyway, the album sounded very fresh, very promising. I tell you this because the writing of this, our 13th album, has been a long and frustrating time for all of us. But I want you to know we have great songs on the way and more we are still working on. We also have a wealth of ideas we haven't looked at yet. So that's Pete. H says, we're back in the studio working on song ideas with Dave Megan and I think the break's done us all good. Because quite suddenly I'm beginning to realise that we're sitting on a wealth of good ideas. He's another one who said the same thing. I don't think I've ever gone into a project with so many lyrics and the ideas seem to be getting stronger every day. Inspiration has struck. At this rate, we'll be putting down backing tracks before the spring and dare I say it, we'll be on the way to something comparable to our best work. Be patient, wish us luck and we'll see you very soon at Minehead, which is where they first played some Marble songs. And then H goes on about writing to Tony Blair about the Gulf War uh, to complain about weapons of mass destruction, oh, dodgy dossier yes. stuff. And then Rothers uh, says, well, it's back to the racket club to continue the writing of the new album. Although it occasionally feels like Groundhog Day, we are moving forwards. I'm always baffled as to why it doesn't seem easier to write an album after all this time. I'm not superstitious, but it is our 13th album and on a bad day, it feels like we're swimming through treacle. Oh. Sometimes the most difficult part is agreeing what's good. We all have different tastes in music, and it can be hard work sometimes to try and find the common ground. Ideas that all the band and Dave Megan enjoy. He's been misspelled Dave Megan's name. Awkward. Cool. <laughs> Spell it M-E-A-G-A-N. Uh, we're going to break off from working on the album at the end of January to start preparing for Butlins. So that was... Um, that was Rothers already starting to feel frustrated. He gets a lot more frustrated. I would um, love to know how the their experience writing and recording 
uh, the latest album. Well, this is what I hope Mark been. would focus on a bit more on his in his yeah. book is that I I kind of know the story with the Fish era, and as as fascinating as it all is, getting his perspective. I kind of don't know the story with a lot of the the eight year albums. Right. Yeah, I want to know. Well, what was the experience of recording Happiness is the Road? Is it just like we went up, turn up every day at the racket club, and that's it? You know. Well, and- yeah, but even hearing Rothers here say a lot of the days feel like Groundhog Day. Some mm-hmm. days it feels like you're swimming in treacle. You'd think that by the thirteenth album we'd find this process a lot easier. So fast forward now to this album, yeah. the newest album. Was it? Did it get easier? Was it easier? Did they yeah. still have days where it felt like swimming through treacle? I mean, we might get our questions answered if there's a a DVD that, yeah, that yeah. comes with the it album. Does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe we'll find out. But it, it would be really interesting to know. Sounds like I need to interview another band member, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> Who shall I pick? <laughs> um, so Mark said, this is all still in January. I'm slightly worried to see nine months have gone by and we're still not into recording the new album. Looking on the positive side, Brave took nine months to write and many people think it's our best work. With a few breaks, we've been at this one a year so far. Should be a cracker. As you can imagine, there are days when we all wonder if we're ever going to finish this album, but most of the time we're positive. It's only because we want to create something better than our previous work that it takes so long, so please bear with us. On the positive side, we do have a lot of good ideas to choose from. I see the problem starting when we have to decide which to leave out and which to take on to completion. There could be bloodshed. We're already arguing about which songs to play at Butlins in March. Some of the songs that don't make it onto the main album will appear on the second CD, so you will get to hear them. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because now we just think of Marbles as the double. Yes. You don't ever think of that sort of single CD version anymore. No. But, I mean, not that you were well, No, yeah, I, you no but the knew. thing is, I didn't even know the single CD version existed. I've only ever known it as a double. Yeah. So then then we went to Butlins and got to hear uh, Faith, which ended up on Somewhere Were else. you there? Oh, you were there. there. I've been at all of them. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, of course you have. Uh, Angelina Neverland, Don't Hurt Yourself, and Ocean Cloud. We got Angelina and Neverland twice. They played it on the Friday and the Sunday. Um, or they, they sort of came back out on Sunday and said, oh, do you want to hear some of the new ones again? And were these the finished versions of the songs? Well, no. They didn't have, even have their proper titles at that point. Uh, they didn't know what, what were they these called? songs... What well, did they call them? We talked about it with Anthony the other week. Neverland was sort of Pacific Rower. Oh, was that's always it, kind of, Pacific, oh, Pacific Rower. Rower. And Neverland was called Big, Massive, Enormous Thing or something like right. that. You mean Ocean Cloud was Pacific Rock? Sorry, did I say Neverland? I think so, Yes, yeah. Never, Neverland was big, enormous, massive thing. And yes, Ocean Cloud was Pacific Rower. I mean, the nev- version of Neverland we eventually got on that year's Christmas CD. And it was clear that it was a classic. And it was even clear at Butlins that these songs were a step up from Anorak. You know, we were, it was, you know, just the sh- sheer, I don't know, the, depth of them that must have been so exciting but the variety of them as well it was really exciting and it can be i suppose it can be scary for the band to hear new music but scary for the audience as well absolutely because if you don't like it yeah but it, it was so apparent that they they were clearly working on something special to play us so much of it so soon you know a year before the album came out Mm. That was telling. 
that they were clearly in a, a very sort of rich creative period. So in July, Brothers uh, chimed in with a new journal. Oh, wait. How, so what month was the Butlins? Oh, um, God. March, February or March? February, March. Like okay. That. And then we jumped forward to July. Or April. You know, it's always in the, that, in the spring. Springtime. So Rothers said in July 2003, um, after working so long on the new album, it's a relief to have a bit of a break while Dave edits the backing tracks. It seems like we've been locked in the racket club forever. We'll start the overdubs sometime in September when Dave's finished his editing. It has been an unusual album. What did he mean? Parts of the writing I found extremely stressful, which is very unusual for me as I didn't always agree with Dave's choice of which of the initial writing ideas we should make into songs. And then he ended it with, I suppose life would be boring if we all like the same things, dot, dot, dot. And I remember reading that at the time and thinking, uh-oh, trouble in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is what I'm, I'm going to summarise what my understanding of it is. Because he'd been the driving force with the music up until then, he was in an uncomfortable position because Dave Megan seems to have been steering the ship a little bit mm. over the choices of of songs or music. I think that's what was happening. Yeah, that they and so so Rothers was losing a bit of control, and that is scary. Yes, that is really scary. Uh, when it's your artwork, yeah, you, you have to really put faith in someone else. That especially if they're picking something that you wouldn't pick, mm. that takes a lot of trust. Yes, and I think as well, it was brave of Megan to do that, to stand up to effectively the founder of the band. Yeah, and didn't person... didn't he retire from producing? Yeah, well, he album. did say he does say in this interview that he knew this was going to be his final. <laughs> yeah, Lillian it was album. really stressful for him as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Meridian have all said that he's a brilliant producer, but my God, he's slow. <laughs> oh, right. and but he just put his all into it yeah yeah look he says he said here uh this is megan there were battles and stuff but it all led to good things even the guitar solo was a fantastic place i was waiting to have the guitar thrown at me on that one. <gasps> <laughs> oh dear or steve to leave the band uh, oh my goodness yeah. oh no as he said, there were lots of other great moments from Steve that were captured live that he probably would have loved to have changed, but they just captured what was perfect and I still wouldn't change them to this day, none of it. I wonder if when Rothers listens back to Marbles, it brings up all those feelings and emotions from the recording and well, the I'd writing know, of yeah, it. I'd love to know or, what he thinks of those songs now. Yeah, or, or has... Has he left that behind and just loves the songs as they are? You know, like sometimes if you if you hear something that you were working on back then, it just t transports you back to where you were mm. at that time. Well, I was talking last week, wasn't I, about how even kind of putting myself back in the place of where I was in 2004 True. has been, I'd say it's been upsetting, but it's been uncomfortable uh, And times. that's just listening to the music or More doing the research around it for like right. things like this and the you know when I met Anthony and yes all of that yes uh I will get into it a bit more when we sort of talk about the album but yes yeah, so maybe I don't know uh, but I'd love to know what he thinks about it now because it's so obvious 
that Marbles is considered broadly by the fan base as one of their greatest albums mm. by a lot of a lot of us we think it's their best Absolutely. album. Absolutely, yeah. And whether those moments that, that Rothers at the time had issue with, mm. whether he now is able to kind of go, oh, Fantastic Place is a brilliant song. Right. <laughs> yeah, regardless of whether he wants to Or whether when he listens to it, he just remembers those days of wanting to yeah. moving through treacle and wanting to throw his guitar yeah, at someone. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah. love to know yeah. to get that insight into that album, which at the time... For him as well, Rothers, who all respect in the world, isn't the most sort of verbose, outspoken member of Marillion. You know, mm. He's not one to wear his heart on his sleeve and kind of speak his mind necessarily. Right. He, he always comes across as quite guarded in interviews. And that's what shocked me when I read this journal right. entry at the time. I remember kind of going, bloody hell, is everything all right, Rothers? And I kind of remembered reading it thinking... Do the rest of the band know he's posted that? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, do they know? Is everything okay? Yeah. But as, as Dave Megan said, he, oh, my well, Christ, yeah, is he going to leave the band over this? But it sounds like it was mainly between him and Dave Megan. Yeah. But they all clearly found it frustrating, apart from H. Who, apart who, from H, who was just in the zone. He was like a pig in shit. In the zone. <laughs> Absolutely creative element. element. Yeah, yeah. So anyway... July, back to July, 2003. After much deliberation, we have finally decided on a name for the new album. It's going to be called Marbles. Yay. Uh, it will be a Meridian first, a double album. Yes, that's right, a full two CDs. Uh, unnecessary apostrophe there. Ooh, wrote that press release um, of new music. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it jumped out at me. What can I say? It's only because you've got a thing for apostrophes. Makes it sound like I'm a weird grammar pervert. <laughs> yeah, well, you do notice apostrophes everywhere. Uh, Gilf, grandma. Mm, no, that's, you're, you're, <laughs> that takes it too far. Uh, since we first announced our initial ideas about releasing the album over eight months ago, we have been flooded with emails full of your comments and suggestions. Um, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot. It's a long old e-web. Shortly, we will be putting the new album on sale for pre-order from our website. For every copy that is pre-ordered, profits will go into our campaign fund. Using this money, we will take our adverts and so on and so forth and try to reach new fans. Radio advertising, etc., etc. So, the Marbles Deluxe Campaign Edition, 128-page hardbound book, is on sale through Racket at the special pre-order price of £27.99 including VAT. If you purchase the Deluxe Campaign Edition by the end of December, you'll get your name in there. Um, And remember, this is a double album, two CDs full of new Meridian music. So they didn't do the single CD as a pre-order. That was just released to shops. Ah, got it. They got, Got allegedly, allegedly, something in the region of 18,000 pre-orders. That's allegedly. Sweet. I've heard conflicting things. You can cut out that ooh la la that I said. That just drives me up the wall when I say that. Too late. It's just... saying <laughs> ooh la la, ooh la la, apostrophe. I don't know why I say that. <laughs> Apostrophes. Apostrophe. So there was a lot of uh, interesting marketing going on. We talk, talked about the car wrapping. Yes. Uh, that the... you didn't do. Because you, you would have needed to buy a new car. All right. Uh, and the street teams. 
Remember that? Those? Yeah, but sorry, every time you say street teams, it makes me think of like um, street magician Dynamo and people going out with hoodies on going, yo, yo, yo. Yeah, well, that's, like my, that's what my million fans are. By our like, album, bro. Mate, bruv, you want uh, you want to buy some... Uh, what the hell is that accent? <laughs> what was that? Bruv, bruv, you want marbles, yeah? Innit? Yeah, fam. Fam, you want marbles, innit? Safe. Respect. God. I'm 50 years old. You're 45. That's so embarrassing what we've just done. Oh, well. Like you said, said safe. They don't even say we're... safe. Did not say safe anymore. I don't think so. They say fam. Fam, you want some uh, sweet Marillion drip? What is drip music? Isn't it clothes? It's like oh. Marillion merch. Drip clothes. Your clothes ah. drip. And a whip is a car. Do you want your... Drip. Do you want your whip wrapped in drip? Fam. You want your whip wrapped in drip? <laughs> Sounds really dodgy. Sonia is laughing. Oh, yeah, I was laughing silently. So there was this other thing they did, which I was going to mention, but I'm just going to say thank you to Pete Joyce. What's his name? Pete, Pete jo- Pajamas. Pete Pajamas. PJ is Joyce, isn't it? His surname. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Remind me on Patreon. Go and support us on Patreon. You get bonus episodes and all sorts. www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. There's a bonus set up this week in which we talk about how much we were cringing at how positive we were about the new album. Uh, anyway, PJ on Patreon reminded me about the musical mystery promotion, which, uh, interestingly, was... We didn't know about it, but it was... I can't remember where. It was a website set up called, called Musical Mystery or something where you'd hear sound clips from a new album and you had to guess the artist oh. uh, and it was genius really i don't know if it ever really fully went viral but it did it did work um because i actually found uh, i thought i cut and pasted this in there but i found someone actually sort of talking about how they got into marillion through the musical mystery competition get out of found here someone online say it. yeah um yeah, here we are. I did, did it. Someone said, I only got into Meridian through the musical mystery promotion for the Marbles album. I won a free copy, although I was disappointed to discover that it was the cut-down version with half the songs missing. Oh, no. Especially uh, considering I'll devote the previous month of my life to that damn quiz. <laughs> it's a good idea. Yeah. You know, given as well, especially that Marbles was such a good album to do to do that with it. was um, you know I wonder if it worked, and they did get many new fans got the least one and then the other thing they did they held um i think these were ticketed they held listening parties for the album with how does that work you just rock up and you listen to the album on headphones or no 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 it'd be blasted out of speakers and i think i think band members turned up at some of them so you'd get like kind of where would these be held in in cities pub or something or yeah theater theater places halls that's a good idea yeah, you like that idea. Did you ever go to one? No, because I'd rather just see them live. I suppose, but if you, you're experienced, I suppose you could just have friends over to your house and listen to it together. Oh, no, I think that's a fun idea. You like that? Yeah, I like that idea. All right. So there was, as I sort of stated in the, the app we did the other week, a buzz. There was this sense of excitement. Mm. We, we kind of felt we were going to be getting a really special album and that th- we were all playing for the same team. Mm. that we all had a role to play in pushing Marillion. Yes. So when the single was announced, You're Gone, it came out in, I think, there three versions. There were, there were two CD versions with, they had remixes on there for Anorachnophobia tracks from the remix of Matosis 
album, I think. And then there was a DVD version which had like the single, and I think there was a um, there was a I don't know interview with a band or something on there. If I remember, oh, don't quote me on this. If I remember, we got a eWeb through that encouraged us to buy multiple copies of the single for like to give them to people and so on. Now apparently that's against chart rules. Is and it? I think if I remember, the band got a little warning. Oh no! <laughs> to stop telling people to buy multiple copies. Did I buy multiple copies? Yeah, I, I bought all did. three at least two or three times. I bet you did. So, uh, <laughs> but this is what they'd done that was so clever, was whipping us all up into this frenzy that we kind of thought, no, 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 no. I will buy multiple copies and I will help yes. this song. You chart. all felt like you were part of the band's success in a way, like yeah. you were helping them along. And the single was, of course, You're Gone, it's great. It was so not what I expected, but it's a, such a good song. Yeah. I remember it even got a good review in Heat magazine. Oh, wow. I used to buy Heat That's magazine. That's amazing. <laughs> Heat. Oh, Heat magazine before it became a gossip mag. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, it was just I've only general... ever known of it as a gossip mag. Yeah, but... It was just a general entertainment magazine back in the day. Uh, and I remember it even got a good review in there. And, and anyway, so the single was great. Didn't think a great deal of the, the video, I have to say. That was the one downside of the video filmed what? by the Boom Boom Boys who at least did some work for them for free. I don't know whether they did for the You're Gone single, but everything they did, it looked like they just smeared Vaseline all over the lens. And then on top of that, H, I don't know, he decided to, yeah, for this upbeat song, I get the lyrics, apparently H describes them as very sad. Okay, don't tell me I won't tell you. He describes it as a really sad song, but it's quite an upbeat song. Yeah. So, But instead the performance H is doing, he just looks at unhinged in this freaking video. What's the video? Have I, I seen it? I did. I we watched this. it recently, didn't well, yeah, we? It, it's a bad quality version of it that's online, which is only made worse because of this Vaseline all over the lenses. Um, you know, so everything everything's all smeary anyway. And then there's like a really low res copy that's been uploaded. And then you've got H staring into the camera, not blinking, kind of, kind of, <laughs> I don't know, he just looks like mad. He looks like, you remember when, Christopher Lloyd was in Taxi, that character. It's <gasps> <gasps> like in the video. Wow. Um, it didn't really go with the song. So, you know, unfortunately, at that point, with Meridian music videos, we all just kind of go, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was to be expected. <laughs> yeah, we know they don't do good videos. But anyway, so then, the you know, it, so it came out on April the 9th. And then a week later... We obviously had the official charts. I remember that day. It was a really warm day and I, I did a barbecue for the kids because it was like I wanted it. Was it like a Meridian special. barbecue? Yeah, it was just me and my kids. Oh, know. okay. Oh, you didn't invite friends and everything. <laughs> no, 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 no. To no. C- especially to celebrate. No, I wanted to... It, it, I was, it was like waking up on like cup final day if you're a football Oh, fan. okay, yeah. That's what it felt like. We didn't know where they were going to get. And, oh. you know, I had the charts blaring out while I was kind of cooking in the garden. Because I think midweek... We'd got another e-web from the band saying, oh, we think at this point we could be, we could even be top 20. So oh, wow. I remember we kind of got through the sort of top 40, then top 30. They hadn't been mentioned. And they hadn't been played. Like, oh, my God, they've oh, gone top 20. That's so and exciting. Then they're not in the top 20. It's like, <gasps> are they in the oh, top 10? I was like, I was excited. But at the same time, I was going, maybe they haven't got top 40 at all. Oh, no. And then, that must have been so nerve wracking. And then number seven. It was like, Jesus Christ, they've gone top 10. That's amazing. It was like, I, that was winning 
for the cup final. Their highest chart placing since Incommunicado. Wow. And then that week we had like the the show in Aylesbury, I think it was that week. Well, I met Anthony. Oh, okay. Gosh, that was a big eventful time. It was just the best. Big week, especially. The best time to be a Meridian fan. The most exciting time ever to be a Meridian fan. There was just, it was just, I can't even tell you what that felt like. It felt like such a vindication in a way, that we were all able to kind of mobilise on the scale that we did Mm. to get a band that we all felt, lest we forget, we'd come through some rough years. (laughs) But we knew here that they had made an album. You knew something special was in the making. We knew they'd made an album that, that had rewarded our faith in a big way. And then for them to kind of then be in the public eye again in such a big way, all right, You're Gone didn't go up the charts, you know, it was clearly got top 10 because we had all bought multiple copies. Regardless, it was the turning point for them, both kind of creatively and to a degree as well, sort of the, the perception of them. They stopped getting as much stick as they used to. Yeah, they you'd still get the odd ignorant review or whatever who would kind of think their music was overblown remember his music is overblown it's what i love about it mm. uh, as we sort of said in our review of the new album yeah make everything big and massive and over the top you, you do it brilliantly meridian keep doing that it's really funny talking about that excitement around but hang on we're gonna leave it here but how long from here until the actual release of the album the, the album was officially released on may the 3rd but what we can't remember Oh, because you'd already we got heard it early, right? You'd already when heard when we songs. got it exactly. But I'm pretty sure I'd heard it before that gig in Aylesbury, and I'm pretty sure because of that, looking at the timeline, we must have got it before Your Gone came out. But I had heard Your Gone before I got the album. If any of that makes sense, right? Okay, but I can't. It's you know, it's like what 18 years ago. I can't remember then. Exactly. I'm doing, I'm doing. It's fine. Pretty, I can't I'm even remember well. last week that clearly. So. Yeah. So it was just, yeah. I'll tell you my response to the album next week, but I do know I got it. It arrived and annoyingly I had to go out and I must've gone out relatively early into the listing of the album because I was only up to a fantastic place. Uh, oh really? Oh <laughs> no, that must've been yeah, so hard Because I had to listen to a fantastic place in the car. Thankfully I had a CD player. Um, and uh, I remember exactly where I was. You know, the roundabout at the bottom of our... Yes. That road near yeah. us. I remember I got down to there and fantastic place. It just got to the chorus and I just had the biggest smile on my face. Aww. Similar to listening to Reprogram the Gene this Aww. week. Kind of where I just kind of go, oh my God, they've done it. They've done it. <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> what I want to hear. This is a song that sounds like it could be an Afraid of Sunlight beater. Which at that point was probably my like high watermark for Marillion songs. Yeah. Oh. So anyway. That must was... have been torture though for you not being able to listen to the whole thing. I did I listen to it in the car. Oh, you listened to the whole album in the I had car. Had a CD player in the car. Oh, I thought you could only listen to up to Fantastic Place in the car before you had to get out of the car. I don't know where I was going. Uh, Morrison's. Yeah, if I was heading. I'm that joking. Way. I'm joking. Might have been. No, going heading that way, one of the kids had probably forgotten something and I had to take it off, drop it off at school. Uh. <laughs> probably. Bloody kids. 
so yeah, next week, um, I don't think there's going to be anything to interrupt us any further. We're just going to get into the songs <gasps> and what we think. Finally. So I will tell you what I think of the album. Oh, I can't wait. But I've already said, it's one of their best. Yeah. It's one of their best. For sure. Here's what I will say before we do get there is here in the new album, Marble sounds almost kind of quaint next to it. And, you know, I was sort of saying how an hour before it, it's dark sounds very grown up. Yes. I can hear how much younger they are on Marbles. In places, it sounds sort of less sophisticated. And until the new album came out, I wouldn't have... Oh, well, the new album hasn't come out as we're recording this, but we have heard it. I would have sort it of It might said, have by the time the podcast comes out. No, it won't. It'll be... Won't it? We are... New album release week. This week? This week. That's exciting. Everyone's going to hear it this week. <gasps> That's exciting. Yeah. Can't wait to see what everyone thinks. And I everyone know. to tell us we were wrong. No, they won't, because we know we're right. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's listening to the Marbles album next to it. It does sound like the work of a younger, less mature band, Hmm. I think. Interesting, interesting. But anyway, I'll be going back to it this week before we record those episodes, you know, having now heard an hour before it's dark. Mm. But you can certainly trace. I, I mean. You can trace, can't you, from Marbles to where we're at. Yes, you definitely can. You definitely can. I'll I'll think about your words. That's very kind of you. Subscribe. Tell people about us. I say this every week, but we might have some new listeners. If we've got new listeners, hello. Why don't you send us an email, um, beampod at gmail.com, telling us what you thought about marbles when it came out. Try to keep them relatively short, or we'll get my friend Anthony on here again, and he'll talk about how much he hates you all. No, he doesn't. He hates the letters. He's not the biggest fan of the letters, yeah, just, just, but you know, we are. A paragraph or so sort of saying how much you love the album. We don't or need... even about how you experienced the buzz in the run-up yes, to the album. that's what I'd love that to would actually also hear be, about. Yeah, really We know most of you love the album. Just tell us how what you remember of that time. That time. Keeping it relatively brief, because we'll probably get quite a lot on this topic, I suspect. Marbles. So, yeah, tell us about the run-up and that time, what you remember, gigs you went to... Etc. Etc. That'd be great. All right, Sonia needs a wee, so we will talk to you next week. Week. Bye. Bye. Bye.